Hi, this is Wendy Whalen. Thank you for joining us on New Combinations. Hey, Jamar. Hello. We've got our white mugs this morning. We're, <laughs> <laughs> we're getting up and crack it on together. I know. Um, I, I thank you so much. It's really early, but. Where are you in the world? I'm in Philadelphia. I'm in a hotel right now. <laughs> okay. Are you, do, are you working there? Yeah, I'm setting a ballet on Ballet X. Nice. You are in demand, my friend. It's crazy town. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I want to get to some of your more recent happenings, but I want I do want to kind of dig into like, you know, how did you like where did you start? And um um how did you get to this place where you have a premiere at New York City Ballet on February 3rd? <laughs> so what, what brought you into dance and um, your artistry? What brought me into dance? I would say um, a young woman by the name of Kathleen Daniels. <laughs> um, I was in fifth grade living in Jacksonville, Florida with my family. Um, I had never danced before that. I think I was in visual art. This was, what is fifth grade? It's like the end of elementary school, I think. And um, we were living in Jacksonville and she said to me, I'm in a dance group after school and we need guys, do you wanna do it? And I said, sure, because <clears throat> I lived right down the street from the school, so it was really easy for me to get to. And I went without telling my family or anyone. Um, and that's kind of how it all started. It was very informal, um, dancing in tutus and tights to Mariah Carey, you know, pop songs and stuff like this. but. It was great, like I loved it. And I think one of the things that really sort of anchored me to dance was the music. Um, I was, I've always been a lover of music, of all kinds of music. And after that, I think the following year, we moved to Miami where I'm from. We only moved to Jacksonville for that one year. Earlier that year, Hurricane Andrew, I think this was 92, came to you know Miami and just kind of shredded the whole place. So we moved back in middle school and I just made sure, well, actually when I, when I started middle school, I went back into visual arts discipline. <clears throat> and uh, while I was there, it was an arts magnet school in Miami. So that's a school that sort of trains young people in all of the arts disciplines, but you kind of have to audition in order to be a part of it. So they gave a school assembly once where all of the different arts disciplines had to present something. I think it was like a holiday show. And so theater got up and did their little Christmas carol play. And the artists, we had painted a couple of murals that were already used as a set for the performance. So we just went up on stage with berets and like <laughs> took our bow, <laughs> right? And then we sat back down and then the dance performance came out and they danced to, um, that song, A Whole New World from the Disney movie Aladdin. And I was just completely transfixed, like the fog and the dresses flowing around <laughs> and the music. I loved, I loved that, that, that movie. And at that point, my, my world was just shook. And I was like, okay, how can I get out of visual art <laughs> and get into those dance classes? And so I auditioned with a very little training an idea of what I knew of dance from fifth grade. Um, I remember the audition being very simple now that I think about it, but very hard, like hold your right split and uh, lay on the ground and like sort of arch up, you know, how, how flexible is your back, these types of 
things and I did it. I don't think I did them very well, but I was, uh, <laughs> I was a boy and dance always wants to bring, you know, more talented men into, into dance. And after that, I think it was mid, mid year. Normally they don't really allow you to switch over your, your major. Um, but somehow I think the teacher kind of fought for me and I was able to switch from visual art into dance. And from that point on, that's when my formal training started sixth grade and it just kept going until I graduated. After graduation, I did one year in Ailey two, which was wonderful and it taught me a lot, but it was not easy. Um, 18 years old, moving to New York City was, um, I don't know, in some ways I was really oblivious to, you know, the impact of that move. I'm a person that very much lives like in the present and in the moment. So just thinking of what that meant for my life as a whole, I hadn't really, you know, it didn't really like resonate with me at that time. I was just like, okay, New York, Alvin Ailey, cool. You know, a lot of my great mentors and teachers just sort of guided me in that direction and I followed. Um, after that year in Ailey two, I auditioned for the first company. I'd heard that they were looking for a spot for a taller guy. And I went, um, I knew that my chances were good. I, you know, there'd been rumor you know what I mean? That you might get this job. But I went and I approached the audition as if there was no chance of me getting the job. <laughs> so, you know, I really gave it everything that I had. Um, and so I got into the company and have pretty much been there <laughs> for the past 18 years. I just retired a couple months ago in December, officially on stage. And in Maybe how, how many years ago was it? I think it was maybe three. Definitely before the pandemic, I ran into Patricia Delgado, the wife of Justin Peck. We worked on a project for Brandon Baker with Guggenheim Works in Process. He was doing a lighting presentation there and needed some dance to light. So he asked me, because we'd worked before on some of my other works, he asked me if I would choreograph a solo on Patricia, who we all know is wonderful dancer when I said sure um I'd never really choreographed on a ballerina of that caliber before I definitely had made some ballets and done some things on point but it was more with um high school college level students way back in the past when I was learning how to choreograph back in high school but I, I wasn't really afraid or intimidated or anything. I take every opportunity as an opportunity to learn. And it turns out we were both from Miami. We both knew some of the same people from Miami. So the rapport between us was very great. It's just a wonderful spirit. So we had a really good time in the studio together. And of course, Justin eventually saw the work that I had been working on and apparently thought it was great. <laughs> And so later on, he just kind of found me and asked me if I wanted to set a piece on New York City Ballet. And um, I said, yes. And that's how I ended up here. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay, that's like my, that's, you answered all my questions. So no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have so many things to dig into, but how crazy it, that chance meeting on the street with Patty Delgado. Yeah. And it's like um, the world changes and kind of, like, did you know um, Brandon Sterling Baker, the lighting designer before that? Because he's been um, doing work with you a bit and he's lighting this piece as well. Yeah, I knew him before that only because he had lit uh, my first piece on Ailey, Members Don't Get Weary. He 
associate artistic director there at the time, Masazumi Chaya, was really good friends with him because he always goes to the New York City Ballet shows. And somehow they met and he said to me, you know, I think you two would be a really good match. I think you should meet him one day. And that day happened. <laughs> and um, we just kind of clicked creatively. And so he lit my very first work for Alien. So that's how I got to know him before that time. It's crazy how I'm going to go back to that girl in fifth grade, you know? It's like one person leads you to this place and you go, yeah, yeah. And then your world opens up and then all these little meetings along the way that just random, you, you don't make things happen, they happen. Fate just opens up for you, I guess. Do you feel that way? Absolutely, that's been, that's been the story of my, my life in, in one sense. Um, I've never really had to reach out to anybody for opportunities. Like very seldom have I had to do that. It's just, I show up in the moment of where I am when I show up and the universe just, it just takes over. So yeah, that's- I, I was thinking, um, I'm going back to that, that girl in fifth grade. She, you've caught my attention with her, but uh, were you tall then? Were you already tall? I was all, I was always tall. I have tall parents and I have two other brothers and we're all over six feet. <laughs> all, all, all dancer ladies are looking for a tall guy. So yeah. <laughs> they're always like, um, you might be able to lift me really high in the sky. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and also, did you, I, I just know you have a great reputation as a partner. Were mm -hmm. you a natural partner or did, did, I mean. No. One thing I wanted to dig in with you about is, because I've been talking about this with, with other people in life lately is how much are you born with and how much are you trained and mm -hmm. can, you, can you become a great partner without having some kind of naturalness? I mean, what do you think about all the, the, the mix of those things and developing your craft and your skill? That's really interesting. I don't think I was a natural partner, but I think naturally I'm a person that um, cares about the other people that I'm dancing with. Like I care about the collective on some level and I care about not just what it feels like and what it looks like when I'm dancing the piece, but how, what I'm dancing or who I'm dancing with, you know, the performative aspect of being on stage, how it looks to an audience. And I think just having certain, I guess, a degree of care for the experience as a whole makes you sort of want to take care if you have responsibilities on stage like partnering, because you want to take care that everything goes smoothly and no one falls and no one gets hurt. So I think I think I just I think I just have like a, I think I'm just like a caring person and that kind of like just bleeds over into how I sort of take care of other dancers when we're on stage uh, partnering and dancing together. I was gonna ask you about your work as well because I haven't seen all of your work. I've seen some of it, but I always see humanity in your work you bring this quality of of connection and empathy and community and 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 then when your solo work is is such so uh um you're looking in i really feel like you, you study human connection do you yeah. feel that way i do it's actually really important um in my work i think no matter how abstract and no matter how complex things can sound in a work of mine or things can look the the goal is always about humanity and and sort of searching and observing and trying to illustrate the ways that we are the ways in which we feel the ways in which we connect with one another uh, i think it's 
extremely important. It is, it is the work in, it, in itself. I know you're also a visual artist. I, I know I, I did a tiny bit of research on you and I know, I know you took a, a moment in, to go to fashion school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I know you have a, an eye for lines and angles and whatnot and, yeah. and, 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 and coolness, you know, and so I don't, how do you blend those two? Um, I don't know. I okay, think it just happens. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that that is that's a question I get asked a lot. Like, how do those other aspects of my creativity and my creative life make its way into my dance work? And it's really something that I I don't think about. I mean, I have to think about it on some level. You know, what color costume do you want? You know, what I mean, like in a very sort of simple way. But um, I don't really know. I th I think I spent a lot of time. I was a really quiet kid and I spent a lot of time um, observing and absorbing and just kind of learning through my eyes, through like my visual field. And so I think I picked up on a lot of things that I didn't know that I was picking up on. And I think what you're seeing and what you're talking about is sort of like me having nurtured that part of me for a very long time ever since I was a I was a kid so it's not it's definitely not always very conscious but it's definitely in there <laughs> I, I know you just retired and you seem pretty like excited about like letting go of that part so good I'm okay good. <laughs> I wanted to find out a little bit about because you know there's a there are a number of my favorite young choreographers are moving past their dance days and focusing really foremostly on their choreography. Mm -hmm. um, how do you compare the artistry that comes out of you through your body um, with that that comes out of you through your composition design? Does it feel, is there a similarity in feeling and gratification or how do they compare to you? And I, I'm sure it's changed over time, but just. Yeah, to me, they feel completely different. Mm -hmm. um, it's how I feel. To me, dance feels like, it feels a bit like possession. You know what I mean? It's like you, you learn, you rehearse, and then you go on stage. And if you, if you, if you feel pretty confident and pretty solid in what you've learned, you kind of like let go and you just let whatever else is at play drive the car. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because you have to, that's the only way to do the work is, is to have that type of vulnerability. Um, choreography for me feels very, um, the same thing does happen in the studio at some point, like once you've got all your pieces together, all of your ideas together, your concepts and, and a sense of knowing what you want to happen. For me, when you start to work, it's kind of like, especially with the collaborative energy with another dancer, things just you know, start to happen and you have kind of have to go with the flow. But at the same time, you have to be really particular. There's lots of like specificity and there's lots of um, crafting that, that has to go on because essentially it's all communication. And if you want what you're trying to say to be communicated to an audience in a very clear way, then you have to be really clear and intentional in the way that you're putting pieces together. So it doesn't feel as like, whoo, as like free flowing as dance does. I think there are moments of that, but essentially it's, it's a very tedious work. And I'm a person that loves 
tedium. I kind of like to tinker and I like to sort of design and, and place things and arrange. So I think it works out well for my personality, but they're, you, they're definitely you, not the same. <laughs> are, you, are you a musician as well with all the other artistry that you embody? I think I am at heart is what I oh, feel. <laughs> okay, but you don't but play an instrument. I don't currently play an instrument. I played okay. trumpet for, I don't know, half a school year back in sixth grade. Um, they threw me in marching band. Actually went from trumpet to baritone horn to tuba, which is the one that sounds like a fart. And after that, I was just, <laughs> I was just disappointed. I was like, I don't want to play this. So the, they give the giant guy the giant brass. Yeah, because they're they're like, he that. can carry this well. <laughs> yeah, oh God. Um, hilarious. Well, speaking of music, you are a jazz lover. And I think in your work, you, you gravitate to jazz mm -hmm. uh, composition. Tell me about that. And, um, and then kind of maybe guide me into, into why I, no, just tell me about your love for jazz and then we'll, we'll go somewhere else. Cool, cool. My love for jazz uh, came really late. Um, I didn't grow up listening to it. It was not you know, playing in the house as like most, I think jazz musicians kind of come to it sort of through their parents, like in a way of like tradition. Um, not that I'm a jazz musician, but anyway, <laughs> um, I, I, I sort of had to, it came about as when I was trying to sort of learn and grow as a dancer in the Ailey company. A lot of Alvin Ailey's works are made to jazz music. And there came a point in my dance career where I was like, what is this music? I think for a really long time, I was just like, oh, that's jazz. And like, we would do the dance to it, but I never considered where is this music coming from? What were like contextually, like sort of like what was happening in the world at the time that this music was being made? Why does it sound like this? What are the other, what were the things that were sort of influencing the sound to make it what it is. And so once I started to really think about that and hear the music in a more intellectual way, I suppose, or engage with it in that way, I just went down this rabbit hole of all of it, just reading a lot on jazz history, jazz artists, um, and everything that sort of happened from the time it came about up until where it is now. And I just kind of fell in love with it one of the reasons why I fell in love with it, because I feel like the music is so closely ingrained into the African-American experience here in America. And I think I, at that time I was really looking for, I was really young, I was really looking for a tribe or, or, or something or somebody to sort of like identify with. I've always felt kind of like, Odd, odd man out all the time. Like the kids would be listening to Britney Spears and I'd be listening to like something completely left field. And I felt that for a huge part of my life. And so I was, I was always looking for a space and a place to like sort of feel like I belong. And I think I found that when I started to listen to John Coltrane, um, a lot of his more popular albums came about in the mid to late sixties, that whole mid-late 60s era, the jazz avant-garde, where there was a lot of tumult, if you will, going on in America, civil rights movement. A lot of great music came out of that time, and not just with jazz, with, with folk music, <laughs> with like rock and roll, all of it. And, and that just really resonated with me because 
it went be the music went just beyond like a sound that you know hear coming out of the radio to something that was actually connected to the people living and sort of like experiencing the world as it is you know i just actually if you don't mind i found this quote by martin luther king like yesterday it says jazz music has the ability to take the hardest realities of life and put them into music only to come out with some new sense of triumph. Jazz was recording its time and giving strength to those fighting for a better world. And I thought that that was really awesome because I think that's sort of what we're doing right now on so many levels, because we're sort of fighting for a better world. And it makes me, when I read that, I don't know, it kind of made me feel a little bit proud for using and engaging with jazz music in the way that I do um, because that, that definitely resonates a lot with the moment that we're in right now. Well, speaking of that, you were originally commissioned more than two years ago, I think, for this piece that's yeah. coming up in February. And I think early on, you might have had a different concept or a different idea. I know you had a different piece of music lined up. Mm -hmm. So, and then COVID hit and mm -hmm. your piece was postponed, and, but you did a, a, a small piece for us outside. And mm -hmm. I, I just, I wanna, I wanna understand the journey of, of your transition to get to from where you were to the new the new choices you've made um, yeah. creatively, music-wise yeah. especially. I mean, two years has gone by. It's been it's been <laughs> it's been a lot, and not only with this piece. I mean, in the midst of this piece, sort of morphing into something else, I was also making other works. So it was just a a real whirlwind, and also COVID was happening. So I think. Um, yeah, the work was a work. It was one work <laughs> when I first started to work on it and then COVID happened and then the world changed. I think the tone of the piece originally was, if I were to put it simply, a bit dark and kind of doom and gloom. Not doom, but definitely gloom. Like the tone was a bit melancholic. And musically, it was a, an ambient sound for the most part, it's like a, a wash, you know, of uh, a, a moody feeling, nothing that had any real distinct signature in terms of like rhythm or counts or anything like that. It was just kind of like, oh, you know, like super very open. Um, and that was something that I would, I tend to do that musically if, I was just, if there's a lot that I want to say, I kind of let the music take the backseat and then have the, the movement and the choreography speak a little bit louder. And so over time, you know, we've been dealing with COVID for a very long time now, there just came a point where I was like, okay, the world is just a little too crusty right now for me to like create this piece that definitely sits in this kind of like melancholic space. Um, so I just, I just felt like I, could, I couldn't, like if I wanted to feel good about the work that I'm making, then I, I need to feel good about the music that I'm using. And so I changed it and I'm happy that I did. I think that the spirit of the new work really, it helps. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and when I say that, I mean like it's, it's, you know, we're in a moment where we all need to feel supported we all need to feel some level of of lightness or some level of of just joy you know whenever we can get it you know lean into it and um 
and the new music's jazz music. And I was like, okay, well, if you're gonna make it work, what are what are your strong points? What you know? And I feel like music is just the place where I excel when it comes to making work, or even if not, you know, to the public, to myself. I feel I feel like the way that I engage with it is it's pretty good. So I was like, let's 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 take it there. And I I feel like I've created something that I'm I'm absolutely proud of and absolutely happy with. And I think that it sits in this moment in a great way, especially at the theater, you know, so the theater has been hit so hard, you know, and if you're going to sit there for an hour, hour and a half, you know what I mean? I would love for people to, in this particular time, uh, watch something that sparks joy. <laughs> well, the, the composer you chose is Wayne Shorter and he's a, he's still, he's still kicking. Like in his 80s? 88, yeah. Have you spoken to him? Have you met him? And have you ever worked with his music before? Never met him, never spoken to him, never worked with his music before, but I've listened to it all the time. Um, the score that I've used now with New York City Ballet, I've been listening to that for a while. It's massive. I love it. It's very heroic to me. <laughs> That's great. Now, when you choreograph generally, do you have a... a uh, system? Do you like come in prepared? Do you improvise on the spot? Mm -hmm. Do you have like, uh, what's your process like? It changes every time depending on the resources that I have to, and the time I have to make the work. But so yeah, sometimes I prepare, sometimes it's on the spot. Sometimes it's a combination of both. Like I'll sort of at least come in with the bigger group stuff prepared or a strong idea of what I would like to happen. And then like the more solos, duets, the smaller things, I tend to personalize them and just make them on the spot. So I think with this piece, it was a combination of both. I was told by your repertory director, Rebecca Throne, that, and I could be wrong. I could have misinterpreted, but she, she said that to ask you about this, that you consider this your first ballet. Yeah, I've never made a ballet piece on point. Not really, not before ever. Not with, definitely not with dancers of this caliber and a company of this size. I think the first, if I really want to get into it, the very first piece I made on point was for Ballet X in this past Bale Dance Festival. Very short piece. And a lot of like the music, for example, was made specifically for that work. So it was nothing that I chose myself, to be honest. It was kind of like given to me and I kind of had to just work with what I had. Wonderful music, but it's, there's, it's, it's different from music that you choose and music that someone gives to you. Um, but that was the first time. And even that piece wasn't like, um, the amount of ballet used in, in that piece was um, very little actually. I mean, it was on point, but I wouldn't say that a lot of, like the ballet was very, like the piece you'll see <laughs> in this season, it, it wasn't. There wasn't a lot of it, to be honest, but I would definitely include it as, as one, as a ballet work. But no, this is definitely the first as well. Are you using, like, would you consider real ballet vocabulary? Are you linking up, like, all that stuff? Or are you kind of playing in and out with that? I play out one time, but most of it's in ballet. <laughs> There's one solo within the whole piece that is, um, completely non-ballet. It's a more, a piece that's in the contemporary style of dancing, is what I should say. But um, it's pretty much ballet, straightforward. 
I'm going to go back a tiny bit just because I also read that you had a, an early love for ballet. Mm -hmm. uh, was that to sort of watch it or to do it? How much experience have you, you personally trained in ballet? Yeah, when I was first introduced to formal training in ballet, it was, it was really the first style that I was introduced to. So um, I just kind of fell in love with it. And I was, I was in love with it for a very long time. One of the teachers in my high school, actually, this is further on in my youth training, she had this VHS library of just dance videos and the students were allowed to check them out, go home and watch them and bring them back. So all of everything that I checked out was basically New York City Ballet every single time. And there was- Why? Why was that? Were you just finding yourself drawn to it? Well, for one, I think that the teachers liked it. So they just had a lot of ballet videos there. And then for two, I was just, I just thought it was the best. You know, there were some other Kirov videos, there were some Paris Opera things, there were some other companies. There was definitely an Alvin Ailey VHS that I watched obsessively, but it was, it was the New York City Ballet videos that really sort of like took me on a trip. I mean, I think just the, the style of it and not just like the dancing style, but the presentation, I think was very clear to me and it was very clean and the, the design of all of it felt really cool <laughs> to me at the time. It's like, it's like seeing something, it, if I were seeing things pixelated before, all of a sudden I'm watching like digital, <laughs> do you know what I mean? HD, I don't know. There was something about the presentation of it that I thought was really awesome, not to mention like the dancers. So I was watching you, I was watching Damien, I was watching Karen Nichols, I was watching like all these wonderful dancers. And I remember going into ballet, class or whatever dance class I would take and trying to like do what the teacher was asking me to do but trying to do it like how I felt Wendy would do it or how I felt like all of the dancers <laughs> in the New York City Valley um, videos would do it and so it, it really informed a lot the, the way that I move and my whole sort of interior world when it comes to like what is ballet I think New York City Valley to me because of that first experience, it just is what ballet is. I, I don't know any other style any better. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it was just it was just the one that sort of resonated with me. So I think it I think you can see it in the work. It's just kind of in there. I've never trained at SAP. <laughs> but like, well, we really need a um, a very tall, amazing dancer partner guy right now. So if you mm -hmm. want to come back. To the return, you know, we, we'll take you. We'll take you. My, my hips, my <laughs> hips wouldn't allow me to, even if I tried. <laughs> Tell me about your cast and how you chose your dancers and how big is the cast? It is a cast of eight dancers, four men, four women. Um, I chose them by going to a season and watching them perform. I chose them, some of them just knowing from around festivals and things or friends of friends. And I also chose them by going into class and observing class. And then some of them were recommendations from rehearsal director. That's kind of how I chose them. I mean, the casting was very different two years ago than it is now. For one, because it was a very different piece. For two, because a lot has gone on. <laughs> but they're wonderful, to be honest. I mean, I had such a good time there every single time. The sort of like, openness and the sense of like, I am ready to take on 
whatever you're about to bring into the room is you can't ask for a better experience I think as a choreographer the moment you get that feeling of a dancer being closed off is the moment that the entire energy in the room shifts and it just kind of it can make it very difficult to make the work that you want to make because you're, you're always having to accommodate that energy or not <laughs> but um we had a wonderful time together I have some uh, question about the design element I know you had a slight bit of a set originally yeah uh, by by Brandon Sterling Baker is that still incorporated and um, part of it is. Part of it had to fall away just because the piece had changed. And, but yes, part of it is to answer simply. Okay. And your costumes, what color are you going with? <laughs> um, and who's designing them for you? Costumes are designed by Jermaine Terry, who is an alien dancer, but he makes wonderful costumes and gowns and gala dresses. Like he has been making. Lots of wonderful things. Um, ever since I've known him, ever since he came into the Ailey Company, we danced together for a long time, but some people know of his greatness, but an, uh, some people don't. I'd say most people don't. And I think he's wonderful. And I thought like this opportunity could really be a good one to help, you know, lift, lift him up a little bit and just be like, look how awesome Jermaine is. So I brought him along with me. He's done an awesome job especially at taking costumes that had a completely different look and concept and idea and, and using the same fabric and transforming them into something that fits the new piece. So I'm very grateful for his uh, skill <laughs> and expertise. And um, so yeah, those are costumes. Color world, uh, uh, purpley, bluey, purple blue. It's all okay. <laughs> I remember purple blue from two years ago. So yeah I, so the a version of that have, have you worked with him before in your other works did he design any um, other pieces for you yeah he did a costume for me for fall for dance fall for dances uh virtual season the first one they had at city center i did a solo he designed the costume for it and I'm trying to think of anything else he's done there had to have been something else but yeah we've worked but, together but he's still dancing so he's got a He's, yeah. he's got, yeah. he's, he got time to do, get into his world more fully. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I have just a couple more questions that I wanted mm -hmm. to ask. What kind of work choreography wise do you enjoy watching? And in your more like primo days of dancing, what kind of choreographers did you enjoy performing the work of? Mm. And are they, do they cross over? Because uh, I, I have separate things. Like I like to watch things that I would never be good in and all that stuff. So, yeah. I, I think I like to watch things that are definitely in line with the things that I like to dance. Like when I was dancing, you know, Ailey is a repertory company. So we've done the works of everybody. <laughs> but I remember my second year, um, we did a piece called Black Milk by Ohad Naharin. And I, at the time, and I still am, but when I was younger, you know, you're really passionate. I was like obsessed with this man, obsessed with his work. And as we all know, his work has like a, a real human quality about it. I, I like work where I'm watching it and like the technical aspect of dance and the technique and all of that stuff kind of falls away. And so then what you're really engaged with is like a, a, 
a human having a human experience on stage where, you know what I mean? And I, I actually think like in terms of dance in general, a lot of young dancers like to think that the more I put on, the better dancer I become, the more turns I do, the higher my leg goes. But I feel like I've learned like over the years, it's actually the more that you can take that off on stage is really when you become illuminated. And so that's, that's the kind of dance that I like to watch. And that's the kind of dance that I liked to perform when I was a performer. Classy guy. Yeah. You're a, you are a classy guy. <laughs> now, what's on your bucket list? Like, what are some of the, you don't, are you, are you in the moment that much that you kind of just, you ride, you, you, wait, you just, you're like, let's just no see, <laughs> you know, when I turn that corner, what's going to happen? I don't know. Yeah, I have no bucket list. My bucket list is to just do my best with every opportunity, whether it be in my own work, Ailey Company, City Ballet, any company. I, I just see every opportunity to make dance as a really awesome one. It's another opportunity to grow. It's another opportunity to work with a different color or work with a different designer. And I think it's all fun. Like, I, just, I totally love dance making. <laughs> so... And so for me, there's, there's really no, there's, there's, I have no goals. I, I don't even, a part of me doesn't even feel like it's a, a career. I mean, of course I have to like put food on the table, but it's never my approach when it comes to this work. It's just always learning and, and doing and discovering and finding and, and meeting people and, and just sort of doing the work that it takes to make great art. And that to me is, is, I'm, I'm, I'm checking, you know, one off my bucket list every time I make a piece. So it's kind of how I feel about it. Mar, I, I liked you before. Uh, <laughs> now, now I think I really love you. I just, I just, I love your approach to things. I love how you just, I just love your openness and your, and your um, being in the moment. That's, it's so, that's, that's what we try to emulate at New York City Ballet, actually. So all these things no. are our goals too. So Thank I'm you. so super excited for your work. And um, I know the dancers are, are very challenged and, and in love <laughs> with it. So really can't wait to see that on February 3rd. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I so, can't wait to see it as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for today. And I'll, I'll see you really soon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to City Ballet. To stay up to date on episode releases, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We hope to see you soon in the theater, so head over to nycballet.com to have a look at what's on stage.